Hello and welcome to the last episode of Storytime with Dave, which is being rebranded. It's already been relaunched. It's now under the Free Jew podcast. So if you're listening to this right now, you're listening to, you know, you're on whatever, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are, you're listening to the Free Jew podcast. But let me explain briefly And then I'll give you some context for the episode you're about to listen to. So I'll go more into this, more in depth about why I got rid of Storytime with Dave and started fresh with Free Jew Podcast, although I did populate it with 50 episodes of Storytime with Dave so that there's things for you to listen to because, you know, I generally do, I try to do like one episode a week. And, um, but I wanted you to have stuff to listen to if, if there's only a few episodes there of the new podcast. So that's why I put those episodes there. So those are still story time with Dave episodes. Now free Jew, very similar podcast, but a little bit different. And I started the podcast in 2018 story time with Dave and my views on things changed very drastically throughout that time. You know, I went from socialist to to liberal to conservative to libertarian to conspiracy theory all across the map i was growing i was growing i was a growing boy and now i'm almost 30 and i'm a bit more set in my beliefs on things and the way i feel about things and that's why i felt like a rebrand was appropriate and for things to be more and also a bunch of bad episodes that i didn't like um, that I got rid of. We had gotten up to 220 episodes on Storytime with Dave, and I took 50 that I still had and that I liked enough that I thought, okay, these can make the cut and these can be the backlog for the Free Jew podcast. So what you're about to listen to is very early on in the early stages, and the reason we called, because eventually... The podcast just became me ranting about social issues and politics and current events and all that. But the whole beginning of Storytime with Dave was I had this book of writing prompts, okay? And it would give me like a sentence and then I have a blank page for you to continue and write a little story. And I started writing these just for fun. And it was like a fun exercise. I tried to make them really funny and absurd and ridiculous. And then I decided, you know, maybe I'll make a podcast. And this was before everyone had a podcast. I mean, there were a lot. But I got in before every single person had a podcast. And it was different. And it was just these silly stories that I would write. And I did a few episodes of it. And my buddy Steve listened and he said, you know what would be funny, I think, if I, because Steve makes music, he makes electronic music, you should check him out, Steven Ortiz. And um, you can find him on, on Spotify and stuff. And he, he said, you know what would be funny, I think, if I added like music and sound effects to these episodes. And um, he was right. And he, he got very good at it. And his comedic timing and his content choices for, you know, what type of music would be playing and sound effects and all that really made the episodes hilarious. And I kind of had forgotten about these, but then going through the old episodes and determining what would go on the new RSS feed under Free Jew, 
I rediscovered them and listened back and they hold up and they're really funny, particularly this little series we did called the Yakuza Chronicles. So I got to give you a little bit of context on what the Yakuza Chronicles is because it'll be funnier for you if you understand the backstory because what you're about to listen to is part one, two, three, and four of the Yakuza Chronicles. And I talked to Steve recently and I said, let's get the band back together. And once in a while, you will get a throwback Storytime with Dave episode where Steve and I will either continue this series, the Yakuza Chronicles, or maybe do something new where I write something fictitious and I just try to make it as absurd and hilarious as possible. And then Steve will work his magic on it. And um, I'm telling you, dude, you're really going to like, it's really funny. This is not what you're accustomed to. And if this is, a lot of you will be returning listeners who used to listen to Storytime with Dave, but even then, you probably didn't hear these. These are very old episodes, like the first, this was like the first 20 episodes we were doing this before things kind of pivoted into a more standard podcast of what you're used to listening to. But this was pretty unique, and um, dude, they're like it's hysterical. Like You're going to fucking love it, man. So a lot of you haven't heard this, even if you used to listen to Storytime with Dave. And if you're brand new here, this is not what most of the content's going to be. Um, you can listen to the other 50 episodes to get a better idea of what the content's going to be. But even then, the last time I recorded was January 2023. It's March 2023. And um, I've learned a lot, even in the last three months. And there will be no holding back. And... Things will get offensive at times and and uh, abrasive, but I know that's the kind of thing you like if you're here. But for this episode, there will be none of that. This is just fun. This is just a lot of fun. And it, unless you find it offensive me doing a Japanese accent, in which case you may be offended even by this episode, but otherwise, this is just good old old fun. So I give you the context about why we called it the Yakuza Chronicles. So it's a, I'll just tell you the story. It was 2018 and I sent money to someone on Venmo. And if you've ever sent money to someone on Venmo, you know that you need to include a reason for the transaction. It won't let you send the money without including a reason for the transaction. And so I would often put absurd things as the reason. And on this one particular occasion, I sent someone $9 that I owed them. And for the reason I wrote Yakuza, that was all I wrote. I just wrote Yakuza. For some reason, that word was on my mind. And so I wrote Yakuza. And all of a sudden, I got a, um, an automated message from Venmo telling me that my transaction is under review because it may have potentially violated the terms of service to which I responded are they concerned that I may be monetarily supporting a Japanese crime syndicate and further I asked is nine dollars even worth getting upset over like even if I was sending money to a member of the Yakuza to support their cause it's still only $9. And so I decided to make a bit out of it. And so the customer service people were hitting me up. 
and I was getting emails from these people and one of them, he's in the story and I forget his name. I put him in the story as a character and I'm drawing a blank on his name, but when you're listening, you'll be like, oh, that's him. When I'm in the interrogation chair and I'm about, about to get waterboarded, that's him. And then the other one was Kate and I make Kate my love interest and you'll, you'll see all about that. And, um, and I just decided to fuck with them because I was like, this is so absurd. I sent $9 and I wrote, I didn't even write for the Yakuza, I just wrote Yakuza. So um, they emailed me and they said, we'd like you to explain this transaction. And I just was like, well, I thought I made it pretty clear. This is monetary support of the Yakuza Japanese crime syndicate. Like what more information do you need? And then they, they were going back and forth with me and I was just fucking with them. And they're coming back and they're like, um, you know, can you please elaborate on that? And I said, I, I, maybe his name was Jeffrey or something. I forget. Ah, what the fuck was his name? Whatever. I, I sent, so let's just say Kate, like Kate will be, can you, can you, um, provide more context? And I said, Kate, I really don't want you to get wrapped up in this. My business with the Yakuza is best left. Uh, you'd be, you'd be best advised to leave my business with the Yakuza, Yakuza B. Like, just don't look into it, you know? And then it started, like, I had a beef with Venmo. And that's where all of this came from. Because Venmo then, like, locked out my account. They, they declined the transaction. They locked out my account for a few months. It was a whole fiasco. And so I had, like, beef with Venmo. And then, so I abandoned, and this was the first um, set of stories that I wrote without one of the prompts. And then I said, no, I'm just going to write this story. It'll be funny. I'll just write it from scratch, the Yakuza Chronicles. And I, uh, and I talk about the terror and I make Venmo very, um, anti-Semitic. And I also like just one note, I was obsessed with the word unethical for some reason. So you'll hear that word a lot, unethical. Now, one more note before you listen. This was recorded, these four episodes were recorded over about a four-month period. Maybe even longer than that. No, actually, yeah, it was about a four-month period. And so, as far as, like, volume goes, like, you'll know when each episode ends and the next one begins. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to put them in here back to back to back to back. And you'll know when one ends and one begins. And, for example, the first episode I was using, like, my old mic. So it's going to sound a little bit different. And then by the second episode, I'm using the newer mic. But the volume, like whatever you're hearing right now, volume wise, the volume might be a little lower, I think. For episode one, it might be the same. The volume might be a little lower for two. I mean, it's a little messy, but the content is hilarious. So if you have to like adjust your volume at any point, I apologize for that. But it's out of my hands. I mean, I can't like do that much sound editing to it. It's just like, it's a little project, you know, just enjoy it if you're going to listen and try not to pay too much mind to any fluctuations in the volume. But that's about it. From here, we will begin Free Jew. You can access all of that stuff. It's Free J3W, Free J3W. And you can go to that website, freejew.com. And that's where I'll be putting the podcast there, but I'll also be, um, that's also where I put my blog posts, which are great. And you can check those out. And um, 
you know, we'll start really getting into it. I'm also going to have a YouTube channel because I'm now going to be filming. I'm going to be, you know, putting a video element, which I'd never had before. So there will be a YouTube page as well. But this is all stuff that I'm working on and I'm staying very busy and I'm trying to stay on top of it and provide you people with fantastic content as best as I can. But I'm also, I started doing comedy again and I'm doing that every night. So I got a lot going on. Um, but these are the things in the pipeline. And uh, anyway, here you go. Enjoy the Yakuza Chronicles. This episode is brought to you by Pocket Socks. You ever wearing socks and you're like, these need pockets. Pocket Socks. Got you covered. See, at the end of the last episode, I was like, don't worry, guys. I'm never going to advertise or anything. And then, kind of as a joke, I pretended to do an advertisement for Pocket Socks. Not even a company. There's just companies that make socks that have pockets. I have a pair. I actually have three pairs. And uh, it's only good for drugs, really, if I'm being honest. They're very small pockets. They're great for weed, I guess. But if your pockets had socks, the cops are looking, man. You think they're not going to look in your socks if you got pockets on there? Are you insane? Of course they're going to look there. They're going to be like, oh, wow, pocket socks. Those are basically built. Those are basically built for drugs. Oh, let's not look in the pocket socks. I'm bad at my job. I'm a bad cop. Let's not look in the pocket socks. So I have a story and uh, I'm going to read it. And I'm going to start reading it right now. The story is called Highway. I was trying to think of a better name, but I was like, hey, let's just go with that for now. It's a working title. Okay, here we go. It was just another day, or so I thought. The day started regularly enough. I woke up later than I'm supposed to, and I, I laid in bed for an extra 15 minutes scrolling through my phone virtually assuring that I would not arrive at work on time. On the way over, I stopped at Starbucks for a matcha latte. I get the matcha latte to flex on bitches. You understand? People look and they say, wow, that's so green. I wonder what's in there, money? He must be really doing well. And they're right, I'm fucking killing it. So I get matcha lattes. I was on the road and people were just having the day. If I didn't know any better, I would have said it was national switch lanes recklessly and without a blinker day. I consider myself a highway vigilante. If I see someone pulling a douche maneuver, I might hit the gas. I might speed up. I might tailgate their ass. Hit the gas, tailgate their ass. Flick the high beams a little bit, see how they like it. You like that bitch? Shoes on the other foot now. As I made my way along, suddenly the traffic slowed dramatically, eventually to a halt. I didn't know what was going on. I was gonna be late to work. People were honking. I even saw some people get out of their cars to see what the deal was. None of us had a clue. It had been two hours now sitting in the car. We hadn't moved an inch. Eventually, my curiosity got the best of me. I had to go see what was going on. 
I got out of my car and made my way up to the top of the hill, about an eighth of a mile up the road. From the top of the hill, I had a much better view of what was going on at the bottom. I could see cars go on for about a quarter mile. There was an end to the cars though, and it was open road. The only thing I saw separating the cars from our freedom was a line of people with their arms interlocked. What the fuck is that? I asked. I needed to investigate. So I go toward the where the traffic is stopped. There was a big commotion. By this point, most people had decided to investigate as well. Okay, let me set the scene. We're all out of our cars and we're trying to see what's going on at the front of all this traffic. We're in a dead standstill. No one knows why. And there's just a hindrance. There's some people just blocking. So we're all getting out of our cars like, what the fuck is the deal? And now there's a big commotion towards the front of the pack. I'm making my way through and I'm making my way downtown. Okay, so now you have a visual. Let's get back to the story. I pushed and squeezed through people and cars to make my way to the front of the pack. Finally, I was all the way out in front and I could see what had been hindering us this whole time. It was a bunch of Japanese people. They stretched across the highway, arms interlocked, not moving a muscle. People yelled at them, they didn't care. All of them were wearing suits and sunglasses. They also had these headbands on with the Japanese flag, so that's how I knew they were Japanese, and I wasn't just making assumptions, which are racist. Within 30 seconds of me being at the front of the pack, one of the Japanese men in the middle broke away from the human chain. He took two steps forward. Everyone became silent. He pointed at me. You, he said. I looked around confused. I wonder who he could possibly be talking about. I looked back in his direction and his finger pointed firmly in my direction. It was not budging. I turned around behind me, but no one revealed themselves. As I turned back, I heard the Japanese man. You, David, Namari, you. There was no mistaking it. I walked forward to separate myself from the pack. People began to chatter amongst themselves, theorizing what might be going on. I approached the man who I felt was the leader. Remove your sunglasses, I commanded. He did not move an inch. Cowardly move, I added. I took a deep breath. My business with the Yakuza was finished years ago, I said. If Hui Akutsuki had any issues, he can email me. I gave him all my contact information, even my personal cell phone. Shutting down an entire highway is dramatic, but I've learned to expect that kind of thing from Hui. Enough, shouted the Japanese man. You have betrayed, you have betrayed your father's honor. Sorry, I had to do the Japanese voice. My father's honor? Before I could even fully register the thought, the man grabbed me by the wrist and attempted to kung fu me. I kicked his feet out from underneath him and rendered him dazed. Almost immediately, all 25 or so suited Japanese men sprung into action. Cue the fight music, Steve. Three of them ran at me holding their hands out backwards like Naruto. One of them leapt in the air and the other two slid below. A combo attack. 
I did a spinning kick, knocking the sliding men off to the side, and as the leaping man attempted to strike me from above, I dodged and kicked him so hard in the dick that his scrotum exploded. He was immediately sent to the ground, gasping for air and searching for his testicles. Too late, I had already snatched them up. I threw them like ninja stars at the two other suited men directly in their eyes. They were immediately incapacitated. These Yakuza were like rats. There was no end to them. And they had incredible fashion sense. I've never seen such well-fitting suits. I was dressed in business casual, and so for the battle of style, I was clearly at a disadvantage. One of the men grabbed another by the back of the collar and the back of the pants. He swung the body round and round, generating more centripetal force, and then he flung him forward like a shot put. It was disorienting, and his leg hit me directly in the head. It dazed me and sent me to the ground. As I went to get up, another one of them kicked me in the stomach, temporarily knocking the wind out of me. I was in deep trouble. As I lay on the ground trying to gather myself, I saw one of the men slowly approaching me all cocky, like he was in a movie scene. I saw him whip out a switchblade from his pocket. Was it really going to go down like this? After so many years of squabbles with the Japanese gang, I was just going to let him end it here in the middle of Route 80? Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, a large figure quickly approached like a freight train. He speared the Japanese man like an NFL linebacker and landed directly on top of him with all of his weight, crushing his bones so brutally you could hear them snap. The man got up and brushed his hands off. He looked like Larry the Cable Guy. Truckers, assemble, he yelled. Fifteen large, dirty, strong men ran up from the back of the crowd and formed a line in front of me. One of them turned around and grabbed my hand and he held me up. Let's fuck up some Japs, he said. Cue the fight music again, Steve. We rushed into all of the Yakuza operatives head on like a goddamn ancient Greek battle. They didn't stand a chance against the might of the truckers. I hardly had to do much. Before they could even get near me, they would get slammed by a 280 pound trucker. It was like a WWE match, only it was real, and these guys were dropping like flies, these Yakuza's. I did what I could, throwing a drop kick here and a swan kick there. All of the Yakuza men were down from the count, and one of them was crawling away towards the side of the highway. I walked over him and pushed him on his side. I grabbed him by the collar. Who sent you here? We settled our dispute two years ago. Why are you here? Your father. My father? What are you talking about? Your father said. You leave dirty laundry in bathroom all the time. And the man passed out. We moved their bodies off to the side of the highway. They were alive, but most were unconscious. I ran back to my car and got home as soon as I could. Carefully, I walked into my house. I went up to the bathroom and looked on the floor. There was no dirty laundry. Curious. I went downstairs. Dad, I yelled, where could he be? I found him in the backyard. Hey, Dad. Hi, Dave. Hey, were you mad that I left my dirty laundry in the bathroom? No, he said. You've been working a lot lately, and Mom and I don't mind doing your laundry. So you didn't send the Yakuza to block Route 80 and then try to kill me before I can get to work, only to be saved by union workers because I wasn't picking up my laundry? The Yakuza asked my father. I thought your business with them was done. So if you didn't send them after me, who did? Well, maybe we'll find out next time.
but I don't really know. Where can the story go from there? Who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe I'll never. Maybe I'll never do it again. Maybe I'll come back and rewrite it. This is going to be a thing now. I could write ends. Maybe that'll be a resolution, you know, moving forward to write ends to stories. But sometimes I just leave them. I, I, I like leaving them open-ended a little. What do you think happened? I don't know. Fucking hit me up. And you can give me a writing prompt. I'm only doing a writing prompt if you hit me up on, like, whatever. If you text me or, or Instagram message me or whatever. And you're like, here's what I want to see happen after. I'll be like, all right, word, yeah, and I'll do that. Because, uh, you know, it gets uh, it gets tiring writing stories because you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And see, at this part of the story, it's like, well, you can't just end it slowly after, I mean, shortly after. I'm like, well, who sent them to me for real? Now I got to investigate. Who's sending the Yakuza after me? I thought my business with them was done. Am I going to explain my business with them? That's a whole thing. This was only, you know, this was like, how many pages? This is like four pages. So we don't want to be dealing with 20-page stories. This is 13 minutes. That's a sweet spot. That's a good amount of time, right? We're at 13 and a half. So definitely going to be putting a lot of stories out, guys. Definitely going to be doing that. So um, just just being more productive and just using my time more wisely. I'm, I'm really happy about it. And uh, if you're listening, I'm really happy with you. And you make me happy. So I hope that you get some enjoyment from the stories. And I'll see you next time. Okay. I love you. Bye. Making my way downtown. Walking fast. Faces pass and I'm homebound. Staring blankly ahead. Just making my way. Making my way. Hello, and welcome to Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. As always, we're joined by our trusty sound engineer, Steven. Say hi, Steve. Everyone say hi, Steve. Steve, good to be here with you, though we're not together. But spiritually, we're, we're always together. You understand? He knows what I'm talking about. Now here's the deal, alright? This is a story about what's been going on with Venmo because things have really escalated uh, behind the scenes. And uh, for reasons that will become clear throughout the duration of this presentation. God, I'm so good with words. For reasons that will become clear I was unable to update you all about the state of affairs. And now this is, this is, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Venmo, I thought that this was about the Yakuza. I thought this was Yakuza Chronicles part two. It is. Okay. I don't like you doubting me. You know, first of all, I just want to address that. I don't appreciate that you doubted me and that you're sitting there and you're thinking I'm a liar. That's not, that doesn't bode well for our relationship. Okay, so I need you to just take a step back and just take a deep breath and literally fuck your own face. Just relax and trust, okay? Okay, buckos? 
That's what I'm going to say now. Buckos. That's, I love that word. Now, this is what happened, you know? I mean, and, and it, it was scary and it was stressful and, uh, and it means war. And, and Venmo doesn't really know who they're messing with. They really don't know what they're getting themselves into. And a misunderstanding with the Yakuza has actually landed us in an in a com- entirely new situation in uncharted territory. And it's going to be interesting. How will that manifest itself? How will that manifest itself? I think um, you'll be hearing from from some higher-ups at the Yakuza. They'll become involved. Enemies will become friends. Then they'll become enemies again. The same ones that just became friends. They will become enemies again. Then they might become friends once again. But I wouldn't be surprised if after that they became enemies again. Because it's a wild ride. But this is my life. Okay? And this is what I do. You gotta live for it. You gotta live. You gotta live for. You gotta live for. <laughs> something. You gotta live for something. For the bit. You gotta live for the bit. That's what you do. Okay? That's what you do every day. You know? You're taking it to the Baja. <laughs> that's my that's my go-to. Someone should clip that. I don't remember, Steve. Do you remember what episodes that, that, that was from? It was from... Um, it doesn't matter. But you gotta take it to the bucket, okay? You gotta take it to the Baja. You gotta take it to the promised land. You gotta get fouled on the way. You're playing through the foul. You're flicking up. You're flicking the ball up. Put some English on it. As you as you crash to the ground, the, the ball goes straight through the bucket. And you hear the swish and the crowd roars. And you're going to the free throw line. You're hitting that free throw. You're getting the old-fashioned three-point. The old-fashioned three-pointer. Every day. That's how you live. Okay? That's how we live. We live like that. We achieve together. Okay? And obviously, you know who needs to hear that more than anyone? Venmo. Obviously. Now let's begin the story. And we'll get you up to date. But not for long because more things are in the war- in the works. works. More things are happening. Everything changes. And every change is a miracle. That's some Henry David Thoreau shit for you. Let's begin. I awoke, dazed, and my vision was blurred. I was seated, but as I moved to stand, I realized that I was chained down to this chair. The lights were bright. The chair was bolted to the ground. This looked like some sort of interrogation chamber. What had I gotten myself into? There was a wet towel and a water bucket over on the side of the room. I didn't want to stick around too long to figure out what that was about. But I was completely bound to this chair. I couldn't move. My vision started coming back to me. I must have been struck over the head. 
My memory was fuzzy. I couldn't recall what had landed me in that chair in that room in the first place. I looked toward the door of the room. At the top of the door, I could see a logo. I had to squint to make out what it said. Venmo Headquarters. Oh, fuck. The door swung open violently. Hello, Dave. My name is Bradley. I'm the head of customer service here at Venmo. I have a few questions about some of the activity on your account. I remained silent as Bradley paced around my chair in a circle. I could hear the tap of every step he took wearing his boots. He was in full uniform. It was gray and resembled a uniform of the Third Reich. Bradley leaned over and placed his chin on my shoulder. It was super weird and kind of gay. He said in a quiet voice, Dave, here at Venmo, we want to ensure that we're complying with U.S. legal standards. Let me ask you this, Dave. Do you think I'm dumb? I didn't answer. I thought it should be obvious how I feel. After everything that had happened, Bradley resumed pacing around the empty room. Nine dollars, Dave. Nine American dollars transferred directly to the Yakuza. What, did you think we wouldn't notice? I stared at the ground. I still couldn't even remember how I got in this room. I was completely disoriented. Bradley kicked the water bucket and some of the water spilled out onto the hard cement floor. You know what this is for, Dave? I think you do. And I think you understand what I'm prepared to do if you refuse to cooperate. Now I need to know, specifically, Mr. Namery, why did you wire nine American dollars to the Yakuza? I chuckled. <laughs> are, are you guys serious? It, it's a $9 transaction. It was a joke. I just wrote Yakuza. And you're going to waterboard me? I'm very confused. I'm very disoriented. I don't know where I am right now. I'm very confused. Do you really think $9 is a significant enough amount that you're willing to waterboard me? I mean, that's completely unethical. I was praying to God that he wouldn't call my bluff. Ethics? Venmo has no ethics, said Bradley. We have appalling ethics. That's not even in our mission statement. Now you're going to answer my gosh darn questions, or you're going to be dealing with a very angry Bradley. And I don't think you'd appreciate angry Bradley. Well, not angry Bradley is referring to himself in the third person, so I don't even really appreciate regular Bradley, to be honest with you. Regular Bradley strapped me down to this chair and is threatening to waterboard me over a $9 joke transaction. So, yeah, you got a pretty weak argument here, Bradley. Alright, that's enough. Bradley stormed over, grabbed the bucket and the towel. I struggled to escape from the chair, but to no avail. It looked like things were about to get messy. And then the door opened. It was a blonde-haired woman. I knew her, and she knew me. For a moment, we gazed into each other's eyes. 
Immediately, she understood the situation and knew what needed to be done. Bradley was thrilled. Katie, you're here. Right in time for the good part. You can hold this chair back for me. He placed the towel over my face and a slight panic set in. But then I heard Katie. Well, hold on a second, Brad, she said. You know how annoying it is to clean up after one of our waterboarding sessions. And last week, Charlie slipped and broke his elbow. It's not a safe thing. Look, why don't you go grab a cup of coffee and give me 15 minutes in here and I'll see what I can do, all right? It was silent for a moment. I still had a towel over my face and I couldn't see what was happening. I heard a long sigh from Bradley. (sighs) Fine, he said. I heard him walk out. As the door shut behind him, Katie pulled the towel away from my face. What the fuck goes on here at Venmo, I asked. You waterboard people? Over $9 transactions? I mean, I knew Venmo was unethical. I knew that. A corporation completely devoid of ethics. But even still, this seems like a bit much. And what are you doing here? I don't even—I didn't know you even worked for Venmo. I mean, what's going on? Katie crossed her arms impatiently. You know exactly what I'm working on. And I need to be on the inside. And what the fuck are you doing transferring $9 to the Yakuza? I thought your business with them was done. Yeah, I, I thought so too. I can explain later, but how am I going to get out of here? Bradley seems hell-bent on waterboarding me. Well, I have a key, said Katie, and she walked over and unlocked me from the chair. I rubbed my wrists. They were cut up pretty bad, but nothing I wouldn't recover from. She removed the shackles from my ankles. She pointed at the door. You go down the hall to the left. Just make sure you make a run for it. Most of the people working here at Venmo are very out of shape and miserable. I doubt they'll pursue you. Well, that's pretty easy, I said. You seem disappointed. Well, I just thought it was going to be some big dramatic thing. And there would be like explosions, like in a crazy movie scene. And there would be a part where I run full speed out of a window. And then everything goes to slow motion. But it looks like I'm... I'm still running, but I'm in the air. You know what I mean? You know, like like I'm kind of floating, and then the the, the explosion like pushes me from behind. You know? Katie just shook her head. I looked at the door. There it was, freedom. But then I looked back at Katie. I stared her in the eyes. Listen, Kate, we're in here right now. We're in the belly of the beast. Now I could run out that door and down the hallway, but I'm never going to have another opportunity like this. I think this is our chance to take these bastards down. Kate looked down at the ground and sighed. I don't know. They have a huge operation and we're just two people. When I first got here, I thought I might be able to pull it off, but... I don't know if it could work. Catherine, I said. I put my hand on her shoulder, and she looked at me. I know what they did to your family. I know how they tortured your daughter. 
these Venmo savages aren't going to stop. If we let this go, how many more innocent people are going to die? Katie stood silently for a moment. She clenched her fist. Let's take these fuckers down. Find out what happens on the next installment of the Akuza Chronicles. This has been Escape from Venmo Towel. Towel. Because <laughs> there's a towel from the waterboarding. This has been Escape from Venmo Towel. That sound, is that, would that, would, that sounds like a little kid with a speech impediment trying, trying to say Venmo Tower, which is what I'm trying to say. Escape from Venmo Towel. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. And the Yakuza will become involved in the next episode, rest assured. I mean, things get fucking wild. I haven't written the next episode yet, but things get fucking wild. I guarantee you that. Things get wild, okay? And the, the Chancellor of Venmo is going to be involved, and there's going to be... Oh my god, I can't wait. I can't wait till you guys hear. So, as always, thank you for listening, um, and I love you. Bye. Hello, and welcome to the Yakuza Chronicles. Oh wait, welcome to Storytime with Dave. This episode, the Yakuza Chronicles Part 3, Escape from Venmo Tower, Part 2, where we left off, our hero, me, was in trouble. Things weren't looking good. But another, another hero revealed herself, it was Kate. And she saved me from certain doom at the hands of Bradley, if you remember. We're going to continue the story right where we left off. At the exact moment where we left off. Let's begin. Yakuza Chronicles, Part 3. Bradley re-entered the room. Almost immediately, he realized that I was no longer in the chair. What the fu- Boom! I hit him over the head with a water bucket. He was knocked out cold. I took his Venmo uniform and put it on. It consisted of khaki pants, a white lab coat, and goggles. Why would they need a white lab coat and goggles at Venmo? I can tell that's what you're wondering. Clearly you don't know what they do at Venmo. All I'll say is this. It's unethical. And it involves children. Cute little Asian children. And it's deeply deeply unethical. This is what Venmo does. There was one issue. Bradley has luscious blonde hair that flows in the wind while I, a Jew, possess a Jew fro. I picked up the pants that I had been wearing before I put on Bradley's clothing and I checked the front pocket. 
I prayed that I didn't forget. And I didn't. In my front pocket, there it was, my trusty blonde wig. I always keep a blonde wig on me just in case I have to knock someone out and assume their identity, but they have smooth blonde hair that flows in the wind. You always need to be prepared, that's what I say. I also have brown eyes. Bradley's are green. Good thing I had my trusty green eye contacts in the other pocket. No, I didn't. That would be ridiculous. If I kept green contacts on me just in case I have to impersonate someone with green eyes? No. No, 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 no. That would be lazy writing. Very lazy. What was actually in the other pocket was my trusty gun. I donned the blonde wig, which is great writing. I hid the gun in my lab coat. Things were about to get messier. Kate and I walked out into the hallway. Act natural, she whispered. We walked down a slightly narrow hallway. The building was reminiscent of a hospital. It was brightly lit. The first person we encountered was at a cutout area in the hallway where a middle-aged woman was seated. She didn't have one of the lab coats on. She was wearing glasses and going through paperwork. As Kate and I approached, I hoped that she wouldn't look up at me, but she did. Our eyes met and I smiled at her, acting casually as Kate had instructed. Immediately, the woman's smile faded into a look of deep concern. What did you do with Bradley? Why, I am Bradley, I responded. She glared at me. Bradley didn't have a grizzly beard. I ran my hand through my beard. Ah, fuck. I forgot. Only one way to explain a beard that nappy, she said. You're a dirty fucking Jew kike. I was stunned. Not only is Venmo unethical... It turns out they're also deeply anti-Semitic. To be honest, the news didn't surprise me. The woman turned to the right and began moving towards a red lever on the wall. It could only be one thing, an alarm. I had to act, and fast. I bent my knees and propelled my body forward in a tremendous feat of agility, clearing the whole desk that she was working at in one fluid motion. I grabbed her head, palming it like how a black person palms a basketball, and I slammed it into the wall. She was killed almost immediately. I didn't even want to have to hurt anyone, and yet here we were, the first person we encountered, and I had to kill her. Venmo should have known this is what they were getting themselves into. They were dealing with one of the most fearsome former members of the Yakuza crime syndicate. Someone so brutal, so vicious, the gang deemed him an existential threat. Venmo was dealing with Dave Namurai, and he was mad, and he occasionally refers to himself in the third person. I pushed the woman's body underneath the table, hiding it from view. I looked at Kate. Why didn't you tell me to shave my beard? I asked. I like your beard, said Kate. Yeah, everyone likes my beard, Kate. It's baller as fuck. But this is life and death. We're taking down Venmo, the most unethical and apparently also the most anti-Semitic organization in the world. We need to be more careful. Kate nodded. She understood the gravity of the situation. 
Okay. We need to make it to the 50th floor, she said. Right now we're in the basement, also known as the Venmo Torture Chamber. The 50th floor is where the heart of Venmo resides, the Chancellor himself. Only those with special clearance can get in there. I'm not even allowed to go in. So along the way, we're going to have to get our hands on those credentials. Down there on the left, Kate pointed towards a door. That's a supply closet. There are single blade razors and you can use them to shave. Usually, they're for enhanced interrogation. I walked over and entered the supply closet. I walked out a new man. The transition similar to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Wow, said Kate. I didn't think you could possibly look any more handsome. Control your pussy, Kate, I said. This is no time for fawning over my amazing looks. Now is the time for action. I pulled open the lab coat, similar to how a homeless person might open a trench coat revealing himself. Only I didn't reveal my body. What I revealed were shuriken, all on the inside of the jacket. I had fashioned the blades into shuriken in the supply closet. Japanese projectile weapons that I had become a master crafter of during my formative years in the streets of Tokyo. I gave a handful of the weapons to Kate. You know how to use these. Conceal them for later. Things will get hectic the closer we get to the dark soul of Venmo. Kate took the weapons and put them away under her coat. We made our way down that same hallway that seemed to never end. As we continued forward, it veered to the right. We heard a ding that could be nothing other than an elevator. We heard the echo of two voices and they were coming our way. There were two randomly placed large houseplants conveniently located at this exact part of the hallway. God was truly on our side. We hid ourselves behind the large plants. We stayed dead silent as the two Venmo employees walked by. Yeah, and so she goes, listen to this. She's like, hey, well, don't you guys have any ethics at Venmo? I know, I know, I, I also laugh. The voices faded away. Kate and I made our way around the corner to the elevator. We pressed the button and got in. I hit the 50th floor. The elevator began to rise. And it was about the slowest elevator I had ever been on. Kate and I stood in awkward silence. Finally, she broke it. You know, I'm sorry for what I said that day. Don't do that right now, Catherine. The silence resumed. Well, wh why were you paying the Yakuza $9 anyway? The last time we saw each other, they were paying you. I made some pretty powerful enemies. And I was next in line. You know, I was there when Akutsuki died. It was a deal gone bad. The, the old bastard got shot in the leg. He bled out. I even took a bullet to the shoulder. I pulled back my shirt collar to show the scar. He told me that day. He said I was next. But once he was dead, all bets were off. Internal politics, you know? His son, his fucking son, staged a coup. You can't have a white boy running the Yakuza, I guess. So I've been on the run since. Okay, but 
How'd you end up here at Venmo Tower? And why did you transfer them nine dollars? I don't... She was interrupted when the elevator stopped. 18th floor. I knew it wasn't going to be that easy to get to the 50th. The doors opened. A nerdy-looking bald man greeted us at the door. Bradley, he said. He shook my hand. Ah, and Miss Heigl. Good to see you both. Yes, you heard that right. It's Catherine Heigl. She's Kate. Because I got it like that, son. And it's my story. The man turned back to me. So, Bradley, I've been running those tests on our Venmo torturing software, and... Suddenly, he stopped. A look of confused terror came over his face. Wait. You're not... Before he could finish, I pulled back my lab coat, revealing the grip of my pistol. I'm Bradley. Understand? He shook his head and looked back forward. Tense moments went by as the elevator climbed to our destination. 27. 28. 29. And then the elevator stopped again. The doors opened. Someone was standing there, and this floor was a bit more crowded than the others. Our hostage yelled, Help me! He's got a gun! And he went running out of the elevator. God damn it, I yelled. There were three guards within earshot of the man's scream, and they jumped up from their chairs. They were converging on our location, and we were sitting ducks. There were only seconds to act. Kate looked at me. We knew what to do. She grabbed my hand, and we jumped out into the open. Immediately, we went into slow motion, just like in a movie scene. Since Kate is an actor, she has that ability. All actors do. Especially action movie actors. The guards began shooting, but we easily dodged their bullets. I pulled out my gat and sent three rounds into one of the guards' chest. And a fourth shot went directly through the second guard's dick. Kate made easy work of the third guard, flinging the shuriken I had given her directly at his neck. The three of them were rendered incapacitated, and time went back to normal. But we weren't out of the woods yet. We gotta get back in the elevator, yelled Kate. Wait, I commanded. We're on the 30th floor, right? We need to get security clearance if we're going to make it to the Chancellor's Chamber. Now seems like a good time to get those credentials. Let's split up and meet back here once you have something. Kate nodded and ran off in the opposite direction. I turned and headed down the other way. We had caused quite a stir. There was a lot of confusion, and in our disguises we were able to blend in. I ran down the hallway, throwing doors open, but all of the rooms looked the same. Cubicles, torture chambers, standard Venmo stuff. Nothing stood out. Finally, I saw a door with a nameplate on it. Director of Operations. This must be it. I opened the door. It was a big office. There stood a man in front of a table. His back was to me. He appeared to be looking at something in his hand. I stood there silently. The door shut behind me. I drew my weapon and pointed it at the man. I don't want to hurt you, I said. I need your credentials to get to the 50th floor. I know you have them. The man said nothing at first. He took a deep breath. Dave Namurai. 
And then he turned around. Sensei? Find out what happens next on episode four of the Yakuza Chronicles, Escape from Venmo Tower, part three. I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I have no idea. I haven't written it yet, but we'll see. Probably by the time you hear this, it will have been written. I look forward to it. I hope you all do as well. Stay safe. Don't support anti-Semitic, unethical Venmo. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. This is the Yakuza Chronicles, Episode 4, Escape from Venmo Tower, Episode 3. Let's pick up right where we left off in the dramatic scene where Dave Namurai encounters his old sensei. And this was a cliffhanger. You understand? Now let's begin right where we left off. Here we go. Yakuza Chronicles, Part 4. Escape from Venmo Tower 3. Sensei? I couldn't believe what stood before me. I hadn't seen this man in over 10 years. Yet here he was in the last place I would ever suspect. Venmo Tower. I put my gun back in the holster at my hip. Sensei, what are you doing here? I asked. He sighed and limped back to his desk to take a seat in his chair. He opened the top drawer and withdrew his pipe. The exact same pipe he had smoked all those years ago. He had aged poorly in the time since I I was his student. His hair had thinned considerably, and his mouth was surrounded by a wispy, unkept beard and mustache. He lit up his pipe and took puffs, creating a cloud of smoke around his head, rising to the ceiling. He looked at me with a familiar gaze, but the spirit which had once emanated from him had seemingly dissipated. He seemed a shell of himself. He had always had an aura of benevolence about him, like a wise sage. But now, the man sitting before me appeared to be devoid of that spirit. He took a few more puffs from his pipe. It seemed like he wanted to say something, but he couldn't find the words. I pressed the issue. Sensei, I haven't seen you in over a decade. What happened to your dojo? Why are you working here for the most unethical and anti-Semitic corporation in all the land. I was sincerely dumbfounded. I am the director of operation at Venmo headquarters. My heart sank. How could this be? Clearly there had to be some sort of rational explanation for this. There was no way the man whom I had seeked to emulate for most of my developing life could have fallen so far. 
You're the director of... I couldn't even find the words. Well, you must be undercover, right? Yeah, that's gotta be it. And so you got on the inside and you've been working with Kate, right? Sensei bowed his head in shame. After you leave Dojo, business no good. I needed money to support my family and opiate habit. So I applied for a job at Venmo. I start all the way in bottom, working in torture chamber. I rise all the way up to director of operation. So you just, you just work here? I asked. You're just a cog in this unethical machine? I refuse to believe that. I've never known a man with more integrity than you, Sensei. How could this be? Sensei looked at me. Well, they offer competitive salary, 401k benefit, two-week pay vacation. He was speaking to me, but it seemed like he was really just trying to justify things for himself. He was supposed to be the bridge to greatness for some of the world's most promising samurai. And yet, here, sitting before me, one of the greatest masters of the art and spirit of the samurai. Here he was, working a 9-to-5 job for an unethical, anti-Semitic company, telling me about how competitive the benefits are. I shook my head. No, no, this isn't you. This isn't what you were destined for. Just because you're old, it's not too late. Come with me, Sensei. I'm headed up to the 50th floor to confront the Chancellor. I'm going to bring this wicked and corrupt anti-Semitic enterprise to its knees. We can do it together. He took a puff pump from his pipe. I am not Sensei any longer. I am simply Director of Operation at Venmo. He reached into his front pocket and pulled out a card. Here, he said, and he extended his hand. These my credentials. I took them. I looked at my sensei once more. He looked away in the distance. I don't think he wanted to look me in the eyes. As though Venmo's immorality and hatred of Jews wasn't enough, I now had to reckon with the fact that they had crushed the will of my mentor. I squeezed the credentials tightly in my grip. Is this how you want the world to remember you? I asked. The director of operations for Venmo? He just continued to puff his pipe, still looking in the distance. I shook my head in disgust and left the room. I was back outside in the hallway. A lot of people had cleared out. There was a TV mounted on the wall. On the screen, I saw a picture of my face and Kate's. At the top of the sign, it said, Kill on Sight. Beneath my picture, there was a smaller dialogue box. It read, And this one is a dirty Jew. Typical Venmo, never missing an opportunity to be anti-Semitic. I ran down the hallway, back to the elevator where Kate and I were to meet. There was no sign of her. I had no time to wait around. I assumed she probably found credentials herself and was already making moves to the 50th floor. The power to the elevators had been shut down, so I needed an alternate route. I ran over the, to the door to the stairs. I opened the door and was met with a foot directly to my face. I was dazed and I could taste blood in my mouth. 
I regained my composure and looked up to see who had graced me with this swift kick to the face. It was Bradley. Fuck. Before I could think, he was running directly towards me, winding up another kick. I crossed my arms together and absorbed the impact of the kick, pushing back against his leg and causing him to lose balance. Immediately, I reached into my coat and flung two of the shuriken directly at Bradley. He was able to dodge one, but the other struck his arm, opening a gash beneath his shoulder. As it began to bleed, Bradley dipped two of his fingers into the blood and then licked them, smiling maniacally. This dude was full-blown crazy. But he had the spirit of the warrior, and so simply shooting him dead would go against my samurai constitution. We would settle this matter with hand-to-hand combat. I lowered my body and assumed the dragon's stance. Brad was about to feel my wrath. He came running straight at me once again, much like a cheetah, loaded the ground and moving erratically in order to throw me off. He wound up once again for another kick, or at least that's what I thought. As I went to block where I thought the kick was coming from, Bradley jumped to the left into the wall and then pushed and propelled himself right at me and punched me directly across my face. It opened a cut across my eyebrow. The blood ran down directly into my eyes and I looked like a complete badass with all the blood dripping down my face like a baller G. I was stumbling backwards, trying desperately to repel Bradley's quick attacks. His strategy was not to devastate with one single blow but rather to inflict death by 1,000 paper cuts, so to speak. I was able to get my feet beneath me and go on the offensive. I swung a powerful kick directly towards his face and he was able to duck beneath it. He spun on the ground like a breakdancer and then with all his might, he threw an uppercut directly on my dick. I drew my gun and shot him in the chest, killing him immediately. Yeah, I remember what I said about the spirit of the warrior. You don't uppercut a dude in the dick. Completely unethical. Especially not if the dude has a gun. Why would you punch him in the dick if he had a gun? Of course I'm going to shoot you. Are you serious, Brad? I was feeling nauseous, but I had to keep moving. I withdrew one of the metal blades from my coat and heated it with a lighter I had in my possession until it was red hot. I then pressed the metal to the gash above my eyebrow, singeing it shut. As I entered the stairwell, I was startled by one of the Venmo guards falling directly down the opening in the middle of the stairs. He screamed as he plummeted down to his death. I looked up to see what had caused it. Looking back at me, smiling, was Kate. We fought our way through the guards all the way up the remaining 15 floors of the tower killing scores of Venmo guards who wore swastikas on their sleeves. We made easy work of them. They were no match. At the 49th floor, three of the guards rushed Kate at once. They grabbed hold of her and she was in trouble. I quickly drew my pistol and shot three bullets, each of which penetrated their skulls and the men dropped, dead. Thanks, said Kate. No problem, I said, but I'm out of bullets. And I tossed the gun to the ground. We made it to the 50th floor and opened the door out of the stairwell. The hallway we entered into looked different than the hallways in any other part of the building. The floor and the walls were covered in red velvet. The lighting was dim, unlike the hospital-like lighting on the other floors. 
We made our way down the hallway, slowly and carefully. All along the walls were picture after picture of Hitler. I hardly reacted. At this point, I had become so numb to how much Venmo deeply hated Jews. Eventually, we made it to a door. This had to be the place. On the right side of the door was an electronic device. I withdrew the credentials my sensei had given me and scanned them over the device. I heard a beep and the door unlocked. I opened the door. Kate and I walked into a huge open room. It looked like a cathedral. Straight ahead, probably 50 feet away from us, was a grand staircase that led up to a throne. There was red velvet everywhere, and behind the throne, there was a gigantic 30 foot by 30 foot Nazi flag. Above it read the words, Venmo, supporting Nazis since 1933. Light from the sun shined upon the flag. At the top of the high ceiling, there were many windows in this cathedral-like room. This was the first time I had seen windows in the entire building. Beneath the Nazi flag, sitting in the throne, was the Chancellor. He wore a gold crown, which had blue accents, Venmo blue. He didn't say a word at first. The entire room appeared to be empty except for him. Kate and I slowly made our way towards him. He rose from his seat. He wore armor which protected his chest and legs. He began to make his way down the stairs to meet us. He dragged behind him a cape. We met at the bottom of the stairs. He stood before us, looking briefly at Kate, but then turning his gaze to me. The tension in the room was palpable. The Chancellor finally spoke. I am not what you think of me, he said. There is good reason why I had you summoned here. I do apologize that you had to encounter Bradley. That was not my intention. My intention was to have you brought directly here to speak with me face to face. I had no doubt you would find your way here on your own, however. Why did you bring me here? I asked. And why did you... Before I could finish asking the question, I felt a sharp pain in my leg from the left side. I turned to look at Kate. She was staring directly at me. I looked down. She had injected my leg with something. I felt my body lose all feeling, and I collapsed to the ground. It was some sort of paralyzing agent. I lay on the ground, unable to move my arms or legs. My eyes were still wide open. I could still hear and see. Kate looked down upon me with the devilish glare. Fucking bitch, I thought to myself. Mr. Namurai, I don't have a personal problem against you. It is simply that we, at Venmo, wish to attain ultimate power. In order to achieve this, some must be sacrificed. In the prophecy, it is foretold that a Jewish man, with a deep connection to a Japanese crime syndicate, holds within him the power which must be harnessed for ultimate domination. Venmo will complete the will of the true master of our operation, Adolf Hitler. In order to do that, we must extract from you, in order to do that, we must extract from you the power of the Japanese. He reached in his hand. He reached his hand towards me and removed the blonde wig from my head. 
I forgot I was even wearing it. It was covered with blood. Catherine, you did excellent work, he said. Thank you, master, she said. How stupid, how stupid could I be? And what was I going to do? And then, a crash from above. Glass came raining down, and all at once, every single window above us shattered. Ropes fell to the ground. I could hear the loud whir of helicopters above. I was still paralyzed, laying on the ground. I heard a shot ring out from above, a large rifle, and then directly in front of me, the Chancellor's head exploded. I couldn't even register what was going on. Twenty men, wearing black suits and sunglasses, rappelled down the ropes. They were Japanese. Yakuza's. One of them grabbed Kate and screamed, Nine American Dara! Dave Namurai, you have 48 hour or we kill woman! They grabbed hold of the ropes and were pulled back up towards the ceiling and just like that, they were gone. And they took Kate with them. So what's going to happen next time, guys? What's going to happen on the next installment of the Yakuza Chronicles? Kate betrayed me. Am I going to go save her? I don't know. Probably. Or else would the story just end? I don't know. And my business with the Yakuza, it's still unfinished. I need closure, people. I need closure. How's it going to happen? Find out next time on the Yakuza Chronicles Part 5. Only available here at Storytime with Dave. Thanks for listening. Love you.